Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to Christmas at Blackhawk. We're so glad you're here. My name is Daniel. This is Rachel, and we are so thankful that you are joining us today. You know, a number of you, maybe you've been with us for a while, but some of you, you may be here for the very first time. Maybe you were invited by a friend. Maybe you found us scrolling on Instagram or on TikTok. Rachel, are we even on TikTok? I don't think we are. I'm not sure if we are, but if we are, maybe you found us that way. However, you got to this place. We are so glad that you're here. Yes, we are. And I just want to take a second to say a very special welcome to our kids and our students who are with us today. We are so glad that you are here. We hope you enjoy this experience with your family. But we have one extra special things for the kids in our community. If you would like to see a simple retelling of the Christmas story that is just right for kids, we invite you to hop over uh, online and you can watch it after this service. You can watch it on Christmas morning. We just, we really think that you're going to love it. Yeah. I'm excited. My kids love all that they do, and I know we're going to watch it, so I'm looking forward to it. Now, we know that this is a different type of Christmas, right? I don't think I have to explain that. But the thing is, here at Blackhawk, we love our community, and our community really matters. So we wanted to do something special together. So we want to invite you and ask you to enter the Christmas story with us right now. Whether you're in your garage, whether you're listening to a podcast, uh, on your way to visit family, whether you're in your home, we are in this together. All right, so I think we should go ahead and get this started, don't you? Let's do it. All right, Merry Christmas, everyone. We will see you back here in a bit.
Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This feels like a different kind of a Christmas, which feels like the story of 2020. This year has been so filled with the unexpected. I think it's true for all of us that we've seen many of our plans canceled, changed, or we're just waiting for a later date when we can have them. We've all had to face disappointment in different ways. We've had to hold off on gathering the way that we like to. We've been navigating all kinds of unrest. We've had to learn new ways to do our jobs. Some of us have even lost our jobs. That's the kind of year that we've been having. We've had to learn new and creative ways to keep connected to the people that we love. In many ways, this has been a dark year. It's been a dark season. We are living in this time of uncertainty. And this year, there has been all kinds of loss, and none of us imagined this 2020. Not only that, but we don't know when the darkness of this season is going to end. As we remember Christmas, it's easy to romanticize the story that so many of us have heard time and time again. The story of Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem. There was no guest room for them, and baby Jesus was born in a manger. We're familiar with this, but as we look to the story, as we consider all that Mary and Joseph were up against, as we imagine their very human experience, we see that the very first Christmas was the most unexpected of all. No one saw what was coming. The story begins with a young teenage girl. Her name is Mary. She's poor, she's pregnant, 
and she is up against unbelievable circumstances. She and Joseph, they're unmarried, and they're living in this time and in a culture where being pregnant and unmarried was a really big deal. They don't know exactly what's going on. They don't know all that's about to happen. They both experienced an angel appearing to them, telling them that Mary was going to become pregnant and give birth to a son by the power of the Holy Spirit and that they were to call him Jesus. So Mary and Joseph, they knew some of what was going on. They knew some of what was about to take place. But I am betting that they had a whole lot of questions, like what does the future hold for us? How is this going to play out? What do we expect? Not only that, but they were living during a time where the government mandated that they travel to Bethlehem for the census so that they could register. Now, nobody thought, oh, oh, cool, this is good news, road trip. Nobody thought that. This was a government mandate. They didn't want to go. They had to go. And despite Mary being far along in her pregnancy, she went along with Joseph for the journey. Now, traveling is never easy, right? But especially not during these times. Their journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem would have been 80 miles. That means that they could travel 20 miles max per day. To give you an idea, this journey would be like walking from Madison to Milwaukee. Okay, that's a hike. But since Mary was pregnant, this would have taken even longer. Can you imagine the anxiety and the stress that Mary, as a young pregnant woman, would have experienced? Can you imagine how many times they probably had to stop along the way, how uncomfortable it must have been. There were no roadside rest stops. There was no privacy. There was no comfort. Can you imagine what Mary must have experienced? The fears, the doubts that I imagine were in her mind. She didn't know how this was all going to play out. She knew she was pregnant. She knew the baby was coming, and she was away from her family and away from her community. Now, let's not forget Joseph here. <laughs> this was a controversial pregnancy, right? Joseph's reputation was on the line, and it was his job to safely lead the way on a very difficult path. To make matters worse, they had to keep watch. They had to watch out for robbers and wild animals along the way. There was no one that they could call in case of emergency. There was no system in place that they could rely on for security. There were no cell phones, no state police. They had to stick together and keep watch. In the evening time, they would have needed fire just to see in the darkness and to keep warm during the night. I imagine that there were conversations and moments between Mary and Joseph where they just thought, what have we gotten ourselves into? How are we going to get through this? What's on the other side of these circumstances? Now, lots of people were traveling because of the census. So when Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem, there was no guest room available. They just needed a place to stay. It said the time came for the baby to be born, so they found a place. Now, we aren't exactly sure where they stayed, but we know that there were animals there. 
and we read that Mary gave birth to Jesus. She wrapped him in a cloth and placed him in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. Here we are in year 2020, where I think all of us are a bit more concerned with keeping things sanitary, right? We see hand sanitizer everywhere. We're careful what we touch. We avoid a lot of surfaces altogether, but not here, not this story. Things weren't sanitary. Things weren't clean. Things weren't comfortable. Circumstances were less than ideal, far less than ideal. And Mary placed her newborn baby in a feeding trough for animals. Can you imagine this? Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment and imagine putting a newborn baby into a place, into something that animals had just been eating from. Things were dirty, like watch where you step, dirty. This is not what any new mother would choose. It was a lonely night and a very lonely birth. This was the first Christmas. Look at what's happening. Jesus, the Son of God, entered the darkness of this world, mirroring the very way in which he would eventually leave it, in total and complete humility. His first breaths, his first cries, took place in a manger. We love to romanticize the story, but know this, Joseph and Mary faced all kinds of darkness and uncertainty in the days, hours, and moments leading up to the birth of Jesus. It was the beginning of a journey towards the true light that they never expected. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So we pick up from where Lynn was just talking a few minutes ago. 
reminding us of the story of Mary giving birth to baby Jesus in a situation that she never would have chosen. You know, I mean, think about this. She is dealing with a mass mandatory census that has taken her to the town of Bethlehem where she's had to give birth there. My guess is she was probably thinking something like, what a horrible time to give birth to a child. (laughs) What a horrible time. You heard anybody say that in 2020? Think about that for a minute. What a horrible time to you fill in the blank. What a horrible time to have a wedding. Or what a horrible time to be a senior in high school. What a horrible time to be a college student who's graduating and looking for a job. What a horrible time to be starting a business. What a horrible time to lose a loved one. What a horrible time to retire. What a horrible time to be starting school as a kindergartner for the very first time. What's it for you? What a horrible time for, will you fill in the blank? Because my guess is Mary was feeling something like that. What a horrible time to be in Bethlehem giving birth to a child. I mean, think about it. She's in a city right now where she knows little, if any, people. On on top of that, uh, everything is so stressful and full and busy that they can't find a place to stay, which is the reason why her newborn baby now is is laying in in a manger. And, and then on top of that, she's most likely anonymous. No one knows their story or their situation until, <laughs> well, a group of shepherds show up who they've never been in touch with before. And these shepherds start telling a story to them and they've come to worship their newborn baby. Now think about that for a minute. How would you respond if you were in a situation like that where a group of strangers showed up to to worship your newborn child? Something to know about shepherds. Shepherds were not looked at all that highly uh, in society and culture. They were kind of low on the totem pole. My guess is, is that Joseph and Mary most likely were rather protective of the baby Jesus in this moment. Like they're not passing him around for everyone to take selfies with him in that moment. These shepherds, they go on to tell Mary a story of how they had just encountered angels. You see, the curtain goes up on the story that they tell where they were out in the night watching their sheep and uh, it's dark. They're away from the city. I mean, back at that time, they weren't dealing with light pollution from a city or street lights. Have you ever been in a moment like that where you look at a situation and it's just dark? There is no light anywhere. You get the idea. It's a different type of a darkness. And in the midst of that moment, well, an angel appears. And the scripture says that, that as this angel appears, that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but we do get the idea that in that moment, well, the night, it became like daytime. And, well, these shepherds, let's just say that they were terrified, like literally fearing for their lives. I love the fact 
that terror is a part of the Christmas story. You see, we can take a story like this and make it all warm and fuzzy with silent night playing quietly in the background as we sip our hot cocoa listening to a story like this. And we forget about the fact the very first Christmas was filled with terror for a group of shepherds. Merry Christmas. But this angel says to them, don't be afraid because I bring good news of great joy, which is for all people. You see, tonight in that city in Bethlehem, yeah, a, a savior has been born. You see, when these, when these shepherds showed up, turning the night into literally like day with the light that they showed, it was, it was as if they were giving an image, a picture, if you will, of who Jesus was, of who had just entered the world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the light of the world, who pierced the darkness into our world and opened the door for us to be in right relationship with God, not by anything that we've done, but by everything that he would do, paying the penalty for our sins by his death on the cross and opening the door once again for us to be in right relationship with God because of his love for us that was displayed in Jesus being sent to this world as light. That was true for the people then and that is still true for us today. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. You see, as these as these shepherds entered the story of Mary and Joseph, stepping into the dark world that they were in in that moment, they gave Mary a gift. Because in that moment, they gave Mary a, a picture, a, a snapshot, a reminder of who her son truly was, the son of God who had entered this world in order to bring light into our darkness. Like I know that 2020, well, it's been a, a really dark year for a lot of us. Christmas is a time where we remember God's love for us by sending his son into this world to be light for us. Christ the 
walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. About 800 years before the time of Jesus, there was this guy named Isaiah. He was a prophet. He lived in the land of ancient Palestine. And he looked around at his world and he said, you know, I live in a world covered in deep darkness. Now, he wasn't talking about technology. He wasn't saying, oh my gosh, there's no electricity, there's no light bulb. You know, they had like oil for lamps, they had like wax for candles. No, 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 that's not what Isaiah was getting at. You see, in Isaiah's day, what he was getting at was his world was divided into these empires, these kingdoms, and these empires and these kingdoms, well, 
They fought against each other. They conquered each other. They slaughtered each other. And they enslaved each other. And that was darkness. But the darkness went deeper than that. You see, it wasn't just about what kingdoms did to kingdoms, but people doing things to other people, even when they're in the same kingdom. The rich taking advantage of the poor, the powerful exploiting the weak. There was violence, there was oppression, there was injustice. And Isaiah looked at all of that and he said, wow, I live in a world covered in deep darkness. Fast forward 2,800 years and we are living in a different world. For one, we have the technology. Oh my goodness, we can have light anytime, anywhere. I mean, we have so much light, we intentionally schedule football games at night so we can play them under the lights. We have so much light, we put lights in the outside of our houses, you know, for like Christmas decoration. That's how much light we have. We have so much light, astronauts can see them from outer space. We have conquered darkness. But if Isaiah were with us today, if he were to look at our world, he would say, this is a world covered in deep darkness. Because we are still a world divided into nations, and these nations, we fight each other, except we have better technology, which means greater firepower, greater lethality, greater death rate, greater destruction, greater suffering. And within our nations, we are at each other's throats. We're divided. And we still have the rich taking advantage of the poor and the powerful exploiting the weak. We have violence, we have injustice, we have oppression. So we have solved the problem of physical darkness, but we have no solution for the problem of the human darkness. But there's hope. You see, Isaiah says in chapter 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness. That's people in his world, and that's people in our world. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A light is coming. What is this light? What is the solution to the darkness of humanity? Better technology? More education? Maybe all of us can improve better? Maybe we all try really, really hard? No. Isaiah says the light is the birth of a child. Verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Now, this is the part about Christmas I think we really enjoy, right? You know, it's a baby, a baby Jesus, cute and cuddly, wrapped in swaddling cloth. You put him in the manger, surrounded by all these animals. It's the nativity scene. We love this. This is so awesome. This is Christmas. We love this part because this is the part about Christmas that threatens us the least. And we don't want to think about the very next sentence, which Isaiah says is, and the government will be on his shoulders. The Bible's solution to the darkness of the human soul, a new government led by the perfect king, Jesus the son of God himself. <laughs> you know, in an election year, we are reminded that our politics or the politics of the human realm cannot put an end to the darkness of humanity. 
At best, our politics are like broken tools. We can use them to fix a few things, but probably break a bunch of other things in the process. No. Only the perfect king, only the God who becomes man king, can solve the problem of human darkness. And that is because, Isaiah says, this king shall be called wonderful counselor, a counselor. Someone with the wisdom to, to devise these wondrous ways to reform the world. Mighty God. He has that unlimited power of God to reorder the world the way he sees fit. Everlasting Father. He is our Father. He loves us. He knows us. He cares about us. The Prince of Peace. He establishes peace. Not, not merely the absence of war. Not merely the absence of conflict. But no, no, no. We're talking about harmony. We're talking about different nations, different communities, different people groups coming together and loving each other. We're talking about a cohesive society without injustice, without oppression. This perfect king leading this new government. And this government will last forever. Verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What's going to establish this government? The zeal of the Lord Almighty. Did you catch that? The creator God of the universe is zealous about this. He is motivated. He is passionate. He is hardcore committed. That is the light. A new government led by the perfect king, powered by the creator God of the universe who is intensely committed to this project. And that is what we celebrate every Christmas. We humans cannot light our own darkness. Only God can. And he has sent his light into our world to remake everything and to make all things right. But you know what's cool about all this? About this light? It's that it doesn't just come in and light up the whole world, but it actually slows down and lights up my life and your life. At Blackhawk Church, we talk about how God is concerned with justice and righteousness in our world and that this God is concerned with our individual lives. It's both and. Right, this, we have to remember that. It's both and. And the story of Christmas reminds us that. That this entire project, this entire enterprise to bring light to the whole world begins with a poor teenage pregnant girl who's giving birth without her family, surrounded by animals. She's in a place of darkness. And then we have the light of heaven piercing the night to a bunch of shepherds and the shepherds bringing the light to Mary. The project to light the world begins with God giving light to Mary and the shepherds, to the individuals that he cares about. This light has come into our world. The perfect king has come and he wants to bring light into your life. And he wants to invite you to join him to bring light to the world.
the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and True.
As we continue in worship tonight, we are going to light the final candle of our Advent wreath. This candle represents Christ. Over the last several weeks, we have lit the candles on the outside edge. These represent hope, peace, joy, and love. And tonight, we are going to light the Christ candle, the white candle in the center. Let's do that now. This light represents Jesus in the world. Let's think back on the words of Isaiah 9 together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We have a tradition at Blackhawk where we light a candle at our Christmas Eve service. And this candle represents Jesus's light inside each of us. And we are gonna go ahead and do that tonight. It might feel a little bit different, but I'd like you to take a minute. And if you have a candle or a cell phone or a flashlight, I'd like you to grab that and join with us. We are going to sing a very familiar song and I invite you to worship and shine your light along with us.
That was so powerful. It is like my favorite part of the Christmas service, and I hope it was really powerful uh, for you as well. You know, there are a number of things that are different this year, but one thing that is the same is that Jesus is the light of the world, and his light, it's in each of us. It's in me, and it's in you. Would you join me? Let's just take a moment to pray together. Dear Lord, thank you so, so much for Jesus. Thank you for the light that he is in our world. Lord, things were dark, but you gave us this beautiful light that invites all of us into a place of love and a place of joy and a place of peace. God, help us to carry that light into our neighborhoods and into our communities, into our workplaces. Help us to carry it wherever we go. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we have loved celebrating with all of you tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And we hope that you'll get an opportunity to come back on Sunday and join us again as we hear stories from members of our community who have seen Jesus show up in unexpected ways in 2020. So I think we should keep celebrating a little bit more. What do you think? I'm totally up for it. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're going to hand it back to the band for one final song. Yeah.